It has been uh, a wonderful two-day uh, forum uh, where we had the opportunity to tackle several critical uh, industry topics. Uh, we had a great uh, list of panelists and presenters and tremendous audience. And we are concluding with uh, one of the most uh, contemporary and interesting, and I would say uh, critical trends uh, in the industry today, the issue of operational excellence, sustainability, and ESG as a corporate structure. As we were saying before we came on, uh, online, shipping companies apply operational excellence as a matter of, uh, of fact, uh, but sustainability, ESG, and the adoption of those at a corporate culture is a step uh, above, a step beyond. So I will turn it over to Nick Brown from uh, Bureau of Editors. Uh, I'm very thankful to him for moderating the panel. And of course, I'm delighted to have with us Ted Young, Jesper Jensen, Christos Bergleris, Oystein Jensen, and Paolo Almeida. So without any more delay from me, thank you. And Nick, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Great to see you again. And um, it's a pleasure to be with you here today. Um, and to close off this operational excellence forum. Well, good morning to the Americas. Good day to all of you out there and good evening if we're not too late for those of you who are where the sun has already set. This, as we know, is a closing panel of the Capital Link Operational Excellence event. Uh, I'm Nick Brown and I will try and help moderate this panel um, where we're talking sustainability, operational excellence and ESG, that is environmental, social and governance policies as corporate strategy. So we're asking, are operational excellence and ESG two different, distinct concepts? And how are market forces, regulatory requirements, charterer, investor, and financier expectations propelling shipping companies to go beyond minimum compliance requirements, adopting ESG and operational excellence as a single corporate strategy? Is that so? Well, we're going to find out in the next 45 minutes, I hope. And I think that we're going to hear quite a lot about the E in ESG today but I hope also we have time for the S and the G, particularly covering some diversity and inclusion ground. So as usual from Capital Link, we have a great panel to take us through the subject. Unfortunately, however, Paris Plakantonakis from Starbuck has had to pull out of today's program, but luckily her colleague, Christos Begleris, CFO at the listed dry bulk operator has stepped into the breach to share his company's views on ESG. So thanks for joining Christo at the last minute. Uh, joining Christos is Ted Young, another CFO from Dorian LPG, another listed company specialized, as the name suggests, in LPG carriers. Oystein Jensen is Chief, Chief Sustainability Officer at Odfiel, uh, the Bergen headquartered chemical carrier specialists. And Jesper S. Jensen is head of the technical division at Torm, uh, based in uh, Copenhagen, where their head offices who operate product tankers. Uh, while Paolo Almeida, Joining us from London is the Chief Investment Officer at Tufton Investment Management. So welcome to the panel, everybody. Many thanks for joining us here today to provide the vital picture on making operational excellence sustainable. So there are three themes that, that we thought we'd share and try and address today. The acceleration of change, digitalization, decarbonization and market responses through the pandemic and both the deepening urgency and sense of opportunity they're changing our world. Um, so we'll look at that. How do we encourage diversity? 
and seafarers, the biggest S perhaps in ESG, where do they fit into ESG um, and the health and well-being of seafarers for operational excellence as well as careers for them? So Paolo, can I start with you? How, how do you see ESG today? Uh, what does it mean for your company and what implications are there for your and your stakeholders' operational performance? So, um, uh, Thompson, we, we are not a, a shipping company um, exactly. We do own um, quite a lot of vessels. We own um, over 90 uh, ships, but we are uh, an investment manager with a diversified fleet. Um, we tend to time charter uh, our vessels out for two or three years. We have some longer, we have some bare boats, we have ships um, operating in pools um, as well. So we have a quite a mixed uh, a portfolio and a mix of commercial strategies. Um, now, although we're not, we're not a shipping company, we have a lot of the same concerns as um, shipping companies and one of our funds is actually listed. So the, the public markets and, and public disclosure aspects are, uh, are at least as important uh, to us um, as my, my uh, peers and colleagues here um, uh, on the panel. Um, ESG, um, I think, has become a, a very a big topic um, in shipping over the past couple of years. Um, I think it's probably fair to say, um, for some uh, a, bit, a bit longer than that, clearly there's been a focus historically on prevention of, of uh, uh, oil spills, um, uh, crew uh, health and safety uh, as well, but clearly the bigger, the, the biggest issue by far um, uh, today um, is decarbonization. Now, because we're uh, a financial investor, we're a regulated entity, um, um, uh, in the in the UK, and most of the capital that we manage comes from pension funds. Um, ESG has perhaps um, been even more important to us and for longer than for the, uh, for the industry overall. Now, there's there's a, a very um, basic and interesting, although not um, often not well understood, reason for that. Um, in that pension funds, again, who are uh, most of our uh, investors are pension funds, pension funds have been much more um, focused on ESG and especially decarbonization and climate change for, for much longer than maybe the past couple of years um, that, that shipping has increasingly looked at it. The, re the reason for that is that pension funds have um, very diverse and large portfolios of investments and perhaps were earlier to recognize that the externalities produced by some of their investments, um, including pollution, uh, which is a key one, can impact other parts uh, of their portfolio. So if you're a very large pension fund, uh, in theory, you can own a very small percentage of every asset in the world. Of course, that um, in, in practice is very difficult to do, but you'll have a very diverse portfolio. So you may have 1% of your portfolio in shipping, two, 3% in oil and gas, 10, 15% in real estate, 5% in forests and agricultural land. So you have a very diverse portfolio, but because you have this diverse portfolio and you may also have stakes in insurance companies, et cetera, perhaps pension funds were the earliest to see that the pollution or other externalities that were produced by some of their investments, uh, energy, shipping, uh, aviation, um, were contributing um, to climate change. We can't say that, that we're not contributing to climate change. Clearly, we're trying to minimize that as much as possible. But in contributing to climate change, 
um, we as an industry and other industries that also produce significant amounts of, um, uh, of uh, CO2 were potentially impacting in a negative way, in a potentially very negative way, other investments that they had. So climate change obviously could have a very significant negative impact on the farmland that a pension fund owns. It could have an impact on um, uh, some of the commercial real estate they own in coastal areas because with rising sea levels, impair some of those some of those values, the values of some of those properties. So ESG has been, and especially decarbonization, has been much more important for pension funds. Uh, the, the main way that that uh, we um, have integrated ESG into our into our processes, we are a member or a signatory to a convention called the the United Nations Principles for Responsible Investing, which require, um, um, and you know we'd probably do most of it anyway, even if we weren't a part of it. But it requires that when we analyze investments and and how we run our investments, um, we look to make as little of a negative environment. Um, impact as possible. So how we've been doing that over the years, we buy for any vintage of ship invest in, we try to invest in the top quartile um, of, of fuel efficiency. We appoint technical managers and we work with uh, charters who have very good track records. Um, and through our technical managers as well, they're very focused on uh, crew health and safety. So th that's, that, that is sort of our ESG framework and what we try to do is to make an impact in those areas where our impact can be greatest and decarbonization today is, is almost certainly that area. That, that, that's great, Paolo. Thanks for starting us off. And I think that point about, you know, the pension funds linking um, their investments and the impact of their investments is quite interesting and, and maybe reflects back on um, the increased necessity in shipping to be able to engage with external stakeholders, which maybe the industry hasn't been so great at to date. So thank you, Oystein. Um, I know one of the themes that we raised in our, um, you know, our, our pre-meet was um, that you observed the, the increasing acceleration of, of change through the pandemic and now that ESG is just becoming ever more important and reflecting that, that sense of urgency. Um, can you tell us about um, what you're doing at Oddfield? See there, uh, yes, um, uh, and thank you, and thank you for having me on the on the on the panel there. <laughs> um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we here in Oddfield, we um, uh, we are a, a integrated shipping company, so we do management and uh, own our vessels and operate uh, pools and others uh, charges as well. So we operate uh, about hundred large uh, tankers at the moment. Uh, so uh, sustainability for us is about being long-term, right? So uh, when we're talking about sustainability and ESG, uh, there's always a blend of these, but for us, we're talking about sustainability. ESG is, a, uh, is the way we report on sustainability. So uh, for, for us, uh, it's about the decisions that we are taking today that, that will have an effect tomorrow. So uh, it's about being long-term. And when you're going to be long-term, you need to integrate um, everything that is important for the company going forward. And that means that the growing, and as you mentioned, the sort of, uh, I wouldn't say growing, I would say exponential, uh, exponential attention to sustainability now. Uh, we need to integrate that into our business. 
So we have, have been talking about decarbonization. So decarbonization is nothing that you do uh, as a sustainability initiative. It's something you do as a business initiative. So uh, when we are talking about uh, the decisions that we are taking today, the strategy that we are doing today, we need to integrate everything that is important for us, both from the downside perspective as the needs that we are mitigating the risk. So we're talking about climate risk. Uh, we need to take actions in order to mitigate climate risk, but we also need to take actions in order to capture the value and opportunities that this major transition that we're going through will, will offer. So, um, so I think that uh, when we are talking initially, as you mentioned, uh, whether uh, sustainability and operational excellence was something different, uh, two different pillars or two different things or, 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 or separated. I would argue that it's not, uh, and I would argue that it's strongly uh, uh, integrated. I would go as far as saying that uh, we would probably stop having a sustainability strategy going forward because we need to have a sustainable business strategy. So I think that this is sort of the theme of sustainability would probably, uh, I wouldn't say it vanished, but it, it would probably be more and more integrated into the other parts of the strategy, because you can't allow yourself today not thinking about what's going to future fuel going to be, how do I avoid stranded assets, what's, how do we uh, manage uh, uh, environmental and social and governance matters, that is an, an important part of business decisions uh, taking that we have to take today, and is an important part of discussions that we're doing in our boardrooms and in our management. Okay, that's terrific. Thank you. A need for a sustainable strategy. Um, thank you. Christo, can I turn to you? Sure. Thank you, Nick. Um, I would agree with Oystein in that uh, energy efficiency and ESG was a sort of nice to have as part of operational excellence a few years ago. But increasingly in the last few years, ESG and operational excellence are merging and uh, ESG is a mandatory pillar of operational excellence. Uh, at Starbuck, we have focused early on on sustainability and on our sustainability strategy in order to have a sustainable business. And we're now in our third year of producing a sustainability report, which uh, everybody's welcome to uh, basically see on our website where we give details uh, on our involvement across all three pillars, environment, social, and corporate governance. Um, on the environment side, decarbonization is basically the main focus of the agenda, uh, whether through participating in various forums and having various projects that we work with uh, in order to uh, evaluate alternative fuels and combustion improvements, uh, whether uh, through carbon disclosure, uh, members of the Getting to Zero Coalition through the Global Maritime Forum, and um, monitoring on a daily basis our, our, our emissions, whether carbon, uh, nitric oxide, sulfur oxide, etc. On uh, the governance side, uh, we have 4,500 seafarers pool and 320 people uh, on shore, our offices globally. Uh, health and safety uh, on board our vessels is uh, a, a major focus for us. We're increasing our spending on crew training um, and uh, we monitor various indices like LTIF, uh, serious accidents, etc. Uh, we are very focused on providing equal opportunities 
We have 40% uh, of our workforce onshore being women. 20% of our top management are actually women. And we have two ladies in the board of our directors. Um, and then on, on the social front, we are signatories in the Neptune Declaration, which supports CFR's well-being. We are signatories in various other conventions, such as the UN Global Combat Principles, which um, also mentioned by Paolo is basically um, the focus is for firms and businesses to adopt sustainable and socially responsible policies and to see how they report on their implementation. Uh, and we support our communities. We support the communities that we're working and we're operating in, whether through uh, medical aid now in times of uh, the global pandemic or whether through funding scholarships in order to basically promote uh, talented youth. So ESG, all three pillars, ESNG are in the very core and on the very top of our agenda uh, in the last few years. Okay. Thank you, Christos. Oh, you mentioned monitoring. We might come back to that just in terms of KPIs. Um, thank you. Uh, Jesper, can I, can I go to you? Um, how do you see things at TORM? Yeah, hi, Nick. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, Tom, um, just the background, a little background in TORM. We, we operate around uh, 80 product tankers. We have on a, on a fully integrated platform. Uh, we have around 3,500 seafarers. And uh, so we own the ships ourselves, we operate them technically and commercially ourselves. We do not really participate in pools or sharing in out. Uh, so we have a very efficient platform in the sense of opti optimizing uh, our, our, our operation and our, and our environmental impact. We are listed on the, in the US and in Copenhagen and we are UK PLC just as a background. So we have worked with operational excellence for many years, uh, I think as, as uh, other ship owners. Uh, so um, we do not really, uh, we, we only the, over the last years we have seen the ESD, we have incorporated that in our reporting. So on the in, internal side, we have we have optimized uh, and uh, uh, our operations in, an, in a way that we, for the last six years, we have uh, nominal uh, apple to apple uh, reduced our fuel consumption with, with more than 12% uh, uh, due to our increasing excellence and, and uh, retrofitting our ships, uh, making sure they have a very good uh, hull coating and so on. So all these, uh, you can say, practical tools you have, everybody actually have in the hand. We have actually achieved quite a, a lot on that uh, uh, for the last year. So now we see that, uh, that um, the ESD is becoming an important part for the external world for us. Uh, we have seen that the uh, uh, bank investors and the customers are, are Looking at us as an industry and as a company, how are we doing there? And so we have uh, we have uh, just last year we uh, launched our ESD report uh, where we are in a very transparent and clear uh, way uh, communicate our goals uh, and everybody can 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 look at that. We have uh, linked up with some of our financing uh, partners also to that our our loan agreements is actually linked to our uh, environmental performance. So that's also uh, something which we are. We are looking to expand further in the years to come. Uh, decarbonization as such, we, we actually, is uh, within the last year, it's actually come, become the topic of the day in the management team on board our, in, in our company, because, you know, we are talking, uh, whether you're talking asset strategy, operational setup, a new, new merger, acquisition, whatever you do, you, you have decarbonization as, as the guiding tool in, in the horizon. You need to, you need to fit your strategy into that. So, 
so actually we we are we are working very close uh, very much on, on that part uh, in our day to day and i do believe uh, in all fairness in, in a company like us we are well uh, positioned to to be uh, reaching the 2030 goals well ahead of 2030 um and we're doing that by continuing the developing our digitalization uh, as, as an evolution. Uh, we are capturing a lot of uh, stuff and uh, from the ships and our uh, commercial operation uh, every day. Uh, and the trick is really to have the right setup, the right team and the right people to, to make use of all these data, because you can also get lost in data. And I think that everybody is also aware of that. Uh, so, so that's another, another part how we see and we see also, there's still a lot more to do to be done in, in reducing the, the carbon footprint from the existing fleet before we are actually talking about the carbon neutral uh, ships um, because will be mass produced uh, at, the, at the close to 2030. On the crewing side, we are really uh, harvesting our benefits from the integrated platform and um, and um, and how we how we make use of of the. the how we optimize our operations in the in the, in the daily and long term is actually a lot uh, very much due to the to the commitment and and the, and support from our, our CFS. We are we are doing on the on the ESD part of that also. Let me touch upon that. We are actually supporting uh, not only our CFS but also the families uh, uh, beyond what uh, I think most others are doing. We are having a. a scholarship programs, we are having insurances, we are having medical care uh, and, uh, and actually extending that also during this uh, pandemic. And now we are incorporating the accruing uh, families into our vaccination programs and so on. So we are really seeing that by, by uh, taking care of uh, the well-being of our seafarers, we also get a lot back the other way of stability during a uncertain situation like the, these COVID times. So um, yeah, that's a short brief from Tom. Okay, well, thank you very much, Esmer. There's a few things we'll come back to there later. Um, what what was the fuel saving you, you said you'd captured already, the, the percentage so far? More than 12% apple okay. to apple on the existing ships. So so that's uh, pure by optimization. And, uh, and we see today we are, I'm not bragging, but we are doing quite well when we compare with uh, with our peers and where we are on the, on the, on the uh, milestone to, towards 2030. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jasper. Well, Ted, I mean, I, I assume a lot of that is familiar to you. Um, you got either the easy job or the tough, or, or, or the, the tough job of, of trying to, you know, compete with what everyone else has said. What What's your perspective? Yeah. Well, I think you're right. It's a very tough act to follow. Uh, batting cleanup, as we say in American uh, baseball here. So, I I, I think everyone uh, really summarized it quite well. Um, you know, I think, I think just to pick up on a few themes that really resonated with me, um, Oystein's exactly right. Uh, and everybody sort of said the same thing in different ways. Um, ESG has always been a thing in shipping, but it is now parts that have always been quarter or operation, but I think there's an increased recognition that uh, it deserves more centrality. So as we've gone about preparing our first annual report, um, you know, a lot of it's been, um, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We support orphanages in, in Greece. We support kids foundations in the United Kingdom. We support childcare here in the US. Uh, we support some of our seafarers communities in the Philippines. Um, you know, and, and I think for knowing most of the, the firms by reputation, I think people have been doing this for generations and shipping probably doesn't do a very good job of tooting its own horn in that regard. Um, 
And I think, you know, environmentally, uh, again, I, I look at this group and people have always been acutely aware of it. We, you know, all these firms are technically sophisticated, uh, you know, Paolo's group as well. Um, they're not just number crunchers. They know, they, they know the issues that go into technical improvement and vessel efficiency. So, um, you know, that's been an ongoing theme in the industry. I mean, we look at, you know, just our little world of very large gas carriers and, you know, we've seen 10, 15% in fuel improvements, just generation over generation. Um, but, you know, there's an increased focus and increased uh, urgency to, uh, to, to lowering those numbers further, to changing fuel sources, uh, to, to, to either carbon free, or in our case, we, we strongly believe that LPG is a bridge fuel that uh, helps get, get us all there. Um, and, you know, I think as, as Jesper pointed out and, uh, and others, um, it plays a role in financing. And, you know, look, I'm CFO, so that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, we concluded a, a new deal last year with our main lending banks, and uh, we derive interest savings related to our outperformance based on AER trajectory values. Um, you know, and that's, and that's fantastic because, um, you know, initially I will, I will confess to being um, a bit skeptical because all the banks came out talking about Poseidon principles. So that's wonderful. We're all on board. What are you going to, you know, are you just going to tell us you're not going to lend to us? You're actually put your money where your mouth is. And uh, I was proven uh, wrong uh, in my skepticism. They, they did it. So um, it permeates all aspects of our business. Uh, it's not going to change. Um, it, it will continue to be an important force in attracting capital and growing our business. Uh, and we, we all capture data now and we'll continue to be measured on it. And it's going to be a key differentiator for all of us as we go forward. Thanks, Ted. And, and just on, I mean, two things there. Shipping needs to be better at tooting its own horn. I mean, does all the panel agree in that respect that maybe, uh, you know, for as long as I've been in shipping, the question of the image of the industry has been an issue, but, um, you know, in many ways has much changed and that shipping does need to do more to promote and protect its interests by being a better, you know, a better communicator, let's say. Anyone feel strongly about that? And, and I mean, the other point, Ted, was what, what was the saving that the banks gave you? Uh, we get, uh, we get five, we get five basis points uh, up to, we can do two slugs of five basis points each. So it's, it's uh, you know, it helps on a $400 million debt facility and, you know, banks funding costs are going up, um, you know, and, and, and just on the first one, even though I, I made it, I, I would, I would point out that, um, you know, you and I talked about it a bit, Nick, in our pre-meet, um, you know, we, we all operate for a variety of reasons in some far-flung jurisdictions. Um, you know, Jesper, uh, you know, works for a, a Danish UK PLC that I don't know where you flag your vessels, I forget. But, you know, we, we're a Marshall Islands entity under Bahamas flag. And um, that all sounds great to, uh, you know, Paolo's got a bunch of Cayman funds if memory serves. That all sounds great, you know, for, for sound bites in the press. Um, I think we all know things are quite different in reality. These are all very legitimate uh jurisdictions, they take the responsibility seriously. And, uh, you know, you, you keep digging from there, you look at the things that we all have done for our, for our communities, um, both ashore and in and, and our seafarers. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with shipping's general aversion to publicity. Um, and I think a general belief that, um, you know, these are all traditional firms, the sanctity of the sea and the seafarer is really number one. Um, you know, when investors ask us what keeps us up at night, 
Um, you know, we say, well, barring a major catastrophe involving one of our ships, um, you know, there, there's other macro issues, but I think everyone on this panel would agree that's what you worry about because loss of life and harm to the environment is, it, it would be terrible because it's all core to what we do. Um, and I don't think people really appreciate that. I think we're all perceived to be, um, you know, shipping tycoons. And, uh, and, and I think we all know the reality is far more pedestrian and, you know, far more nitty gritty than all that. Yeah, well, well said, Ted. I mean, the, the sea remains a, a difficult and at times dangerous operating environment. Uh, but I think but, you're uh, right. Um, uh, Nicholas, uh, just uh, to try to respond to, you, to your questions, whether we are good at, uh, at uh, educating and, and telling the story. Um, just on a recent example, I, I think that the shipping did, had a lost opportunity when we saw the uh, Ever Given incident in, uh, in the Suez Canal. Uh, it was, uh, it's a lot of people talked about it, but no one really uh, just took a position and talked about the value of shipping. And we're seeing the, uh, the, 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 the integrated part of the total value chain that you see consumers now all around the world seeing that they are missing goods. In the end, that, that means that the end of the, uh, the end part of the consumers, people are not getting their computers, they are paying higher prices. And that's shipping is a very, very integrated part of that. Um, and also, if you look at uh, the uh, uh, in the sustainability perspective, shipping is a part of the problem because we are emitting huge amount of CO2 that is dangerous and is causing climate change. But it's also a, a part of the solution because there are no other more energy efficient way, no, no more carbon footprint, more efficient way than transporting goods on a ship. So, so that's why we are also a part of the solution. So I think that that story uh, needs to be told as well, uh, and uh, and I think that uh, um, there there's there's a new generation coming up. Uh, we see it from the attention from our stakeholders, but also within the companies that we are uh, are better telling that story and, and better uh, expressing that to everyone, uh, and also that we are more happy to talk about it, that we are more transparent uh, and uh, than things uh, that, than it used to be previously. No, I very well said as well. And, and I think it has to start at the company level, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's tough for the industry to start communicating if individual companies barely have a functioning website saying, you know, who they are, what their values are and, and who, you know, who's running the show. Um, but, but just to take that ever given point, uh, who do we think, you know, could have fronted up for the shipping industry? I mean, you know, should it have been the companies involved? Because I can see from the other end of the telescope, you know, some of the strategies they employed, you know, probably made sense for them at the time. You know, it wasn't for them to defend the industry. Um, they had an operational issue to address. Um, and I don't want to, you know, single them out. But, you know, is there something... No, that, that, that was not my point change? either. That was not my point either, and I don't no, think I, I would I wouldn't judge on uh, on uh, on who in that ses setting should be should be talking about it, and uh, especially those that were integrated. But us as an industry, I know here in Norway we took a, uh, tried to took uh, um, we we were asked a lot of questions from the press, uh, and uh, we did not talk about the specifics there because we don't didn't know more the details of what we have seen in the news ourselves. But we could talk about. Uh, the shipping's role in the in the global value chain, the shipping shipping's role in the industry, and how that uh, how much that means to people, uh, and I think that this is just an example, uh, and uh, and I think uh, uh, you can see that in many different aspects. I think uh, Bimco just made a a, a a wonderful video, really powerful video, talking about uh, the seafarers 
uh, and the effect of the seafarers and the effect of shipping and how that's uh, a part of, of, of the global economy. Uh, and I think that we everyone should take an opportunity uh, to um, to talk about that. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Any, well, anyone I, else want to come in on that subject, Ted? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great question. I mean, you know, look, I think we're, we're you know we're all governed by IMO. We all ultimately pay fees into it. Um, maybe they're not ideally structured to do it, but they should, they, they do represent the industry's in, in, interests and generally regulate the industry. So you would like, I personally would like to have seen more from them. Um, they got taken to task by the New York Times the other week. And frankly, I don't think we as an industry have yet managed a coherent response. You know, I, I, I wonder, Nick, I mean, you know, is, could class have a role? I don't know, maybe. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a lot of data and information at their disposal, um, but it needs to be more, more uh, you know, pan industry than, than any single operator, right? I mean, I think we, you know, we've got enough eloquent people in this business that um, whether it's Poseidon principles from the banks getting zero, IMO, whomever it may be, um, we do have enough industry-wide global organizations that should be, you know, speaking out for the industry because Oyster makes a great point that it was sort of a missed opportunity because I've had that conversation you know, uh, with, with friends and everything else. So it's a black eye and I said, well, it's unfortunate, but you know, do you appreciate how complicated it is? And do you now appreciate how important shipping is? I mean, hey guys, we're not gonna be replaced by an app, um, you know, and, and, and there's still no way in our business to move LPG from, uh, from the US Gulf to China. There just is no other way. Um, you know, you can't put it on an airplane, can't drive it there, can't put it in a pipeline. So we're important and we should do a better job of, you know, Proving that, um, and and you know, it can't come from just the individual companies. We do need a broader industry spokes, spokes, spokesperson. Thanks, Ted. I, I, I Paolo, do you want to come in? Yeah, no, I, I think yeah. uh, Jesper. Sorry, sorry, Paolo. Yeah. If, if Jesper goes first, yeah. Sure. I didn't know how to raise my hand. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so I, I think also the problem we have, not, not talking about ever giving because I do not know the circumstances around this, but I do think the general problem the companies like uh, uh, representing in this panel is that we have that the, the, the press pick up the lowest uh, performers when the things have gone really wrong and things, the practices, the value are not in place. And there we have to probably be better as an industry to lift us up and share what actually vast majority, 80 out of 100 are doing how we're doing and, and looking at the as a part of the, the safety. What I see in, in, in among our company and our peers, and I'm sure all around this in, in, in this forum, is that safety actually is number one on our agenda. It's on our number one on our, it's the first thing that is being discussed at every board meeting. It's the first thing we discussed in data operation meetings. It's the first thing to discuss on board the ships. I see a huge maturity and development uh, during the recent years in terms of taking care of our, our seafarers and environment and doing the right things, uh, drive, doing, uh, doing our business with the right values, you know, so that we don't even have to think about ESD because it's just becoming a part of our value and our natural way of operating business. I just think we, we somehow could be probably more aggressive and coherent in how we are then uh, uh, positioning us towards in the in the public view, view of the public because and as uh, Oystein said we are by far the most efficient uh, um, way of transporting goods and, and that's just how it is and that's how it is today and it's how it is in 2050 there's no doubt about it. Great Jesper thanks. Paolo sorry to interrupt your flow there. Uh, no no that, that's 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 okay 
Um, I, I was just going to say that, yeah, I do think that, that and I, I'm agreeing with, with, with my peers, of course, that, that uh, I think the industry lacks uh, a single a single voice that may be partly due to the nature of it, that it's a global um, industry. It's still somewhat fragmented. Um, I'm not sure what the answer to that is, whether it's, it's the IMO, um, in some ways BIMCO um, and others International Chamber of Shipping, but I do think that that needs to be found and perhaps it should be done on a, on a market segment by market segment basis, perhaps that the, the, the container industry creates a, a body that promotes the, the, uh, the essential nature of container shipping. Clearly, I'm not saying that container shipping is more essential than others, but one thing that we, that, that we as, as an investment manager that speaks regularly to, to you know, very uh, large institutional investors, one thing that we've seen recently is that a lot of um, our, investor, uh, our investors or potential investors who historically have, have thought of shipping uh, as you know, a commodity-linked um, industry, one that can be volatile, um, and perhaps sort of at the back of their minds uh, appreciated that that um, shipping is is essential. Um, over the past year or so, with the unfortunate situation in the world with with the the pandemic, um, many more parties, and I think as well, a lot of the um, mainstream press and mainstream financial press have actually been highlighting to um, the world that that shipping is in fact um, essential. Um, you know, for example, um, we speak to investors who, who used to think that airports were the best possible investment in the world because they're generally economically regulated. They each have their own sort of monopoly or to some extent nearly a monopoly market. They grow year on year on year on year very regularly. And then, you know, what does it take? Um, you know, unfortunately, no, no one wants no one wanted COVID to happen, and we all would, of course, wish that COVID um, uh, hadn't happened. But all of a sudden, um, shipping is essential, and airports are a luxury, or or people recognize airports for actually being being, you know, somewhat essential, but also also a nu nuisance. And you know, clearly, airports didn't grow last year; they dropped, you know, seven to eighty percent in terms of traffic. So. It's through the it's through a very unfortunate situation that we've been through um, with COVID, with people being at home, people relying on Amazon um, um, to 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 upgrade their screens at home, their office, work around the house, exercise bikes, these sorts of things that people are are, are appreciating it. I do think that that um, that this is now um, more broadly appreciated than before, um, but I don't necessarily think that the industry. Has actually done that for itself. We've we've actually had the Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, um, doing that for us. Whereas usually, um, and of course with the Ever Given, um, all they generally talked about were things that the shipping industry does wrong. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, we're certainly not leading the agenda. I think in that um, that engagement, and and of course, as you say, you know, the world stops without ships, whereas. We've managed without aviation or without planes. It's nice to be able to fly places, but I mean, I could probably get to New York if I, you know, I had to in four days on a ship. It might be quite a pleasant way of getting there. Probably stay longer, um, having done that. Take the family. Um, be like the 1930s again for you know wealthy people. But um, yeah, we've managed, and and it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. 
Well, I guess one of the challenges is that un unless we're really successful at decarbonizing shipping, if the rest of, you know, if, if the other sectors, even hard to abate sectors, you know, like cement or steel, um, start to reduce their profile rapidly, shipping is just going to look worse and worse, isn't it, in terms of its overall uh, share of global emissions. So, you know, I, you know, I think that sense of urgency as well is um, that we're feeling now is is timely. Just, I mean, we've got, I think, probably five minutes left. Um, is there anything specifically you think we haven't talked about yet? Christos, anything from your perspective you want to share? I mean, one thing I, I wanted to mention was seafarers um, and also, you know, diversity. Um, there still aren't as many women in shipping as perhaps I think we'd all like, um, whilst, you know, maybe some of you share my view that I don't think there's resistance to women in shipping, they're just not coming into shipping enough, um, is, is certainly my perspective. And, and certainly in technical roles, um, you know, I think we probably have six or seven female ships of airs um, out of the hundreds of ships of airs we have, but it's just tough to recruit them. It, it, is there anything this all-male panel wants to, you know, contribute in terms of wisdom on diversity in shipping? Well, uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, just a, just a perspective on that. Uh, we are going to get through, go through the probably the biggest transition uh, since we moved from sail to uh, to engines. So we're going from sail to engines to probably back to sails again. <laughs> Uh, but we, we, this this transition creates enormous amount of opportunities. We need access to talent. We need access to competence. The use of technology, and we need to be ability to think outside the box. And in order to do that, we cannot continue doing the same as we have done before. We need to get access to everyone, and that means that we can't. Uh, so we need to stop recruiting from just fifty percent of the population. We need to be able to recruit from the full population. So, uh, so, and that includes everyone uh, from the culture, uh, from a gender perspective, culture perspective. So, so I think that that is, uh, that's not because we want to do diversity. It's just a, uh, it's just a part of the business. It's, it's de-risking to, uh, to open up for do, to, to do that. So that's why we have, uh, we have made a set of self clear targets and we're measuring ourselves against those targets. We are also reporting that to the, to the she index. So we're not performing very well compared to a, a bank or to, uh, to others, but we are. Uh, we have set out the numbers. We are doing the, uh, uh, the metrics. We have set ambitions. We're talking about it. And as soon as we start doing that, you will see that that starts affect those small decisions that we are taking every day. It, it, it is in the front of your mind and, and thinking diversity. So everything that you do with how you, uh, how you prepare the, uh, the notifications for new positions, how you do uh, performance appraisals, how you do follow-ups, uh, salary adjustments, all those things, how you do recruiting, how, well, how you, how you um, promote your company. Uh, if you start thinking diversity and you set yourself uh, ambitious uh, diversity targets, you will be uh, st starting to move that big ship uh, in the right direction. Okay. And just to add to what uh, Oystein said, um, unfortunately, on the seafarers front, we do not see uh, many women, especially in the dry bulk industry that we operate in. There are very few, if, if any, uh, female crew members. We don't get applications from female crew members. And um, uh, unfortunately, 100% of our crews are, are essentially male. Uh, 
but with uh, ESG increasingly on focus, um, there is a requirement for ship owners and ship managers to essentially become more sophisticated. And becoming more sophisticated in the ship management means that you essentially want access to the best talent possible, um, especially onshore. And uh, we have been seeing that uh, essentially women onshore as a percentage of the total workforce um, has been increasing. At Starbucks, we have about uh, 42% of our office uh, being women. Uh, we do have some women actually in the technical department, um, in, the, in the new building section, as well as in the superintendent section. Uh, we do have women increasingly in our management team, and we definitely have women in our board. Um, I believe that um, ESG and uh, the higher sophistication that we are going to be required to implement as managers uh, will inevitably lead to having uh, more women on shore. Good. So that, um, that's promising. Thank you, Christos. Well, I think we are we're at the end of our time. Jesper, did you want to come in there? Yeah, I can just uh, compliment. We have a challenge with women in shipping. Uh, I think in, in North Europe, we, we do see uh, female uh, CFS coming out. Uh, but in our company, we, we actually see a lot of those coming out and then they get office jobs later on. That means they have the junior ranks on board and they get the opportunities as sure in the organization, which I think is fantastic and brings a fantastic uh, diversity in, the, in how we manage. Uh, and Danish shipping, we have uh, launched last year a, a charter to attract where the owner, the, 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 the member owners are, are, are getting uh, obliged to, to think the, the, the diversity into, uh, into our strategy. So I think like the uh, other says that the, it's a tough one, but we can do it and we have to do it. And uh, it's the, the proof is in the pudding. So it's just to get on moving and, uh, and then we get the result. I'm sure about it. Fantastic. Well, let's do it. Let's make sure we do it. And, um, I hope when we come back in in future years, we'll be able to see that success. Um, well, I think it just remains for me to you know thank you all very much for for joining us today, and um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you to the audience for listening, whoever's out there. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe, and uh, hope to see you all one way or another, um, you know, in the real world um, sometime soon. So thank you, and thanks for letting me moderate the panel. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you from my uh, side as well. It's been a, an excellent panel. Thank you so much. And have a great rest of the day. And I think that concludes the forum. It's been a wonderful two-day um, event. And thank you all for making it uh, so successful. Thank you. Okay. Many thanks. Bye. Thank you.